When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by my co-host Matt Fortuna in Chicago. Matt, this is our, our last episode before Christmas, and uh, after yesterday's kind of COVID scare sort of thing, where it's like, is this game still happening? Yes. Um, just the media access has changed. I, I think my brain was in a really weird spot when I went to bed last night, because no joke, I had a dream that you FaceTimed me from the Camelback Inn to show me how skilled you were as a skateboarder. And somehow you were skateboarding with Jess Matana, who's a Notre Dame media personality. So I, I gotta say like my brain is a little bit fried after this last month. I, I need to get to the camel back in after Christmas morning on uh, December 25th. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow no, that revelation. It's up impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. I'm not going to the game. I don't skateboard. I've never skateboarded in my life. I've never actually met Jess. Um, nor do I think I've FaceTime you since we do this thing via Zoom <laughs> enough where we don't need to see each other any more than we already do. Um, God, it just been a month. It, it is festivus. I don't know if that's like your area of grievances. My, mine would, uh, normally there's a lot with, with this team. I don't have anything really to, to complain about right now other than COVID, which is not a Notre Dame problem. That's a, a world problem. So um, I think for the most part, health notwithstanding, everyone's in a really good place right now. Well, at least everyone other than whatever the hell's going on in your brain when you lie down uh, to bed at night. Um, but no, it's, it was, um, yeah, I was there Monday, uh, with you doing some interviews. I know they had access Tuesday and Wednesday in person as well. Appreciate it because who knows when that will ever happen for anyone covering football at any level <laughs> again, um, after what we've seen happen in this country the last week or so. Um, it was notable to me, I believe yesterday was the day where the college football playoff came out and, basically put out their contingency plans. And, um, you know, there's basically a week to get this game in the Fiesta Bowl and, and all the other New Year's six games. Um, if one team can't go except for the semifinals, which are forfeits, if that happens, which uh, I've seen teams claim national championships for worse reasons than Alabama is many forfeiting. Yeah. Um, so uh, hopefully we don't have to cross that bridge, uh, this season. Um, but but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm glad there's a week leeway for this game. I'm glad you're still going to to Phoenix, and we'll um, Me too. get to ex- get to experience that weather, if nothing else, um, while you're out there. Because the media stuff looks like it's going to be pretty restricted, and understandably so. Uh, but but I do hope whatever's going on in that brain of yours is settles down, <laughs> at least by 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 uh, the time Christmas morning arrives and you got to open gifts with your kids. Yeah, so if, when I check into the Camelback in next week, and I, if I see like anyone skateboarding, I'm just going to be like triggered uh, around that. Think property. of me and skateboard, but, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, it's. I mean, it was interesting talking to Marcus Freeman on Wednesday. It was sort of the last access here, and him mentioned at the time it seemed notable because he's like, "Yeah, the Fiesta Bowl called and wondered if we wanted to just come out two days before the game." I was like, "Well, that's a bit ominous." And then, lo and behold, I think. 
as Marcus is talking, basically the college football playoff committee is putting in all these contingencies about what happens if someone can't play. Texas A&M is opting out of the Gator Bowl replaced by Rutgers. Um, yeah, it was just sort of a weird throwback to 2020 day in college football. Hopefully it'll just, that will be the only one that we experience. but it, just, you know, Notre Dame still breaking for Christmas. Um, you know, the way Freeman talked through it, it was just like, they would, they will sort of bubble up a little bit in Arizona, but they will have a full week there to sort of do that. And like, if they need to get something out of their system, then they can do that. But, uh, it's Notre Dame goes into it healthy for the most part, you know, no new injuries is to hear Freeman tell it. Uh, we were at practice over the weekend. It was fairly upbeat. You know, you had Maris Leofau kind of walking through, not that he'll play in the game, Blake Fisher in full uniform, not that he'll play in the game either, but, um, you know, Freeman talked about kind of the good on good concept. Um, I think the way the players have described it, the, the practices are shorter, kind of snappier, a little bit more competitive. Um, than how Brian Kelly used to run them. But, you know, it's, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think one of the things that are kind of the, the known unknowns with Freeman is like, how do you run a practice? How do you prepare for a bowl? Well, the last bowl game he prepared for went pretty well. Uh, Cincinnati almost upset Georgia. So in a non, a new year six non-playoff game. So if Freeman can sort of just take what Luke Fickle did a year ago and do it at Notre Dame now, I, I would, I would bet pretty heavily that that formula would work. Yeah, I would hope so. I wonder how much different it was day to day during, again, hate to go back there, but during COVID, the the, the heart, mm-hmm. the heat of COVID times last year versus this year. Uh, you know, I spoke with Logan Diggs on Monday and he was pretty adamant that things are a lot more competitive day to day right now as they get ready for, for the bowl game. I don't know. I mean, look, Notre Dame blows Oklahoma State out or gets blown out. I'm sure we can draw some kind of conclusions from that. As different as this situation is for Marcus Freeman and for everybody around the program, I don't know any grand conclusions we'll be able to draw from practice preparation when he basically gets thrown into the fire while they're preparing for a pretty big game, at least, you know, the second biggest game probably they've played all season long, at least in terms of opponent. Um, So the whole new there's new energy there's new this i mean every coaching search ever whether it was for good or bad reasons right like if the last coach didn't let us play music at practice this one did right. uh, or you know the last coach did and it, he wasn't serious enough and this one isn't he's all business like we saw we saw the inverse of that when uh jimbo fisher went to um texas a&m to replace kevin sumlin and willie taggart went to florida state to replace jimbo fisher like, it was just like all right like whatever your personal preference is here you go. Um, Stanza, do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> On Festivus. <laughs> yes. Um, so it, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm you know, not a doctor, nor do I pretend to be. The idea of the roster, and particularly this roster, going to so many different parts of the country over the next couple of days and coming back. Uh, yeah, I say this. It's, I have two family members, not under my own roof, but you know, immediate family members who tested positive for COVID this week who have been living like hermits it's just everywhere right now they're fine so no concerns there they're back so like it's just um i don't know you you see the the gator bowl situation frankly i'm shocked that hasn't happened elsewhere yet um when you see what's happening in the other sports um around the country um i just hope you know especially you know i was looking at stuff for indianapolis to prepare for the national championship game and traveling there in a couple of weeks and i'm just like 
multiple people I talked to are like, yeah, if the game gets played, if the game gets played, I'm like, God, like, <laughs> yeah, it's there. I know you have to go there, but like, I don't want to hear it. Um, and, and now I'm saying it, you know, for their name's sake, like, I just hope this game gets in. Um, and I hope, you know, both teams are, are, are full strength or close to it and that we get to see each team put their best foot forward. I mean, a lot of differences on both sides. I mean, Jim Dolls was, was the heartbeat of that program this year at Oklahoma State, not there. Marcus Freeman was was the defense coordinator for Notre Dame, was now making his head coaching debut at the age of 35. And with a staff that will largely be his staff next year, but with a couple guys who will not be there next year, we're pretty confident saying. So um, it, it's it's a big game too. It's not a, it's not the KP World Bowl. It's not some second or third tier bowl. This is a New Year's Six game and, and Notre Dame, from all indications is treating it with the utmost importance, which, um, you know, not they, not that they shouldn't do that, but they, they, they at least seem to be taking it seriously publicly. And Marcus Freeman knows the opportunity at hand, particularly for a guy who wants to get his era off on the right foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma state, you know, Jim Knowles going to Ohio state, like you said, they also had a starting safety enter the transfer portal yesterday. Uh, it's, um, it's, you know, if, this feels like a big game, but it, it certainly doesn't feel like the Fiesta Bowl that I covered in 2015 or in 2005 or the Sugar Bowl in 2006, where like there there are some factors pulling in different directions uh, if you're Notre Dame or if you're Oklahoma State. But I, you know, I'm going to be fascinated to see, you know, how does the Jack Cohn Tyler Buckner rotation work when the defense is more like Wisconsin and Cincinnati? Did the offensive line actually improve as much as it seems that it did? You know, can Lorenzo Styles have the breakout game that I feel like he's had coming for quite a while? Uh, and then, you know, defensively, who calls the defense? Um, you know, Marcus Freeman was still kind of a little cagey about that. I, I don't know about you, but I would be surprised if he did not call it because. Reese is running the offense entirely. It's his show over there. Uh, I don't think Freeman's going to insert himself into the offense now. Uh, and he even talked about that in his availability on Wednesday. It's just like he hasn't watched a whole lot of Chris Tyree in November. So when he was going through his turf toe, he was kind of unaware of it um, in terms of watching him every day. And so I think he would lean heavily on Reese to do the offense. And if that's true, then it it would open the door for him to call plays on defense, which he obviously did a very good job of this season. Yeah. I mean, quarterback, I think is, is the number one topic when we talk about specific positions on this roster right now, obviously, you know, Jack Cohn's going to be playing his last game, uh, last college game, his last game in Notre Dame uniform. And it's seemed to have really gotten better and better as the season has gone on, especially as that offensive line has, has gotten intact together. But, you know, a bowl game is, is somewhat of an audition for next year. And we've seen them use Tyler mm-hmm. Buckner. I, I think the way they probably would have liked to at the end of the day, coming into the season, if you took their, you know, expectation versus reality preseason and in season of, of how it turned out, I think it would be pretty close to a mirror image of one another, but there's going to be no Jack Cohn next year. Um, so you've got to get Tyler Buckner reps and not just in specialty packages, but, you know, regular offensive full drive reps um, before next season. We saw Keaton Slovis um, mentioned publicly this week that he had had contact with Notre Dame. He obviously has since signed with Pittsburgh, uh, which I think was what most people thought was going to happen regardless. But it opened up the question, right, of, well, is Notre Dame in the market for another quarterback? And if so, what kind of quarterback do they want? I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, um, Slovis is kind of too good to be 
a guy Notre Dame wants right now. By that, I mean, like, you've got such a precious dynamic and chemistry in that room with three guys mm-hmm. there next year who are going to be in their third year, second year, and first year, respectively, with Pine Buckner um, and Steve Angeli, that if you're bringing in a guy, it's more for depth and competition purposes, not to anoint him starter the way Jack Cohn essentially was this year, the way Keaton Slovis would be wherever he ends up because he's already started for almost three years now at a prestigious program right. like USC. Um, so, and look, if you bring in a guy to start and he doesn't start or he's under the impression he's going to start and he doesn't start, that could be a, a rough combination as well. So I, I think you need another body in that room, another scholarship body, uh, an upperclassman, um, maybe a guy who has been a career backup elsewhere and is just looking to, to get an Notre Dame degree and get valuable reps or get into coaching or something at, at the next level. And look, that's, that's where the real nitty gritty of the evaluation process comes out, right? Like me or you mm-hmm. could look at any four or five star in the portal right now. There are a lot of them and say, Oh, you should go after this guy. But if you're looking for a very specific role for one of those guys, and I think they will be there because they're more, they're more qualified at least. And by qualified, I mean, you know, star rankings and high school pedigrees, but they're more qualified uh, quarterbacks and position players in the portal than there are, then there will end up being available spots, at least at the power five level. So I do think there'll be an opportunity for Notre Dame to, to add to that room and make that room stronger and better. I, I, I just don't know who that option would be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I agree. And it's like Slovis was too good to take, but also not good enough. Like this is not Justin Fields. Right. Like he's not he's not good enough to take and blow the whole room up because this guy is a trans or transcendent talent. Like Keaton Slovis is just a good quarterback. Like I think he probably wouldn't he would be the guy you would feel most comfortable with if you're Notre Dame next year. But at some point you gotta, you gotta invest in Tyler Buckner. And I think now's, now's a good time to do. It. And I, I agree with it. Like there's a, you know, the name is escaping me, but there's like a grad transfer from Dartmouth. Um, you know, is he going to come in? Is he going to be better than Drew Pine? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do think Notre Dame just sort of looks at it as like, we have a mobile quarterback who's really athletic who also had a tight hamstring who missed time and a bad ankle that he was a little bit kimpy on. Like, and we want to run him because why wouldn't you? The guy is really, really athletic. But when you do that, you open yourself up to injury. Um, Notre Dame's run of starting one quarterback for the entire season is probably overdue to expire now. I mean, this is something that was a Brian Kelly staple for a long time, starting multiple guys. You know, and I, I just don't think Notre Dame looks at Buck, the Buckner Pine situation and be like, all right, if Buckner has a hamstring or an ankle on November 1st and Notre Dame's got Clemson that week and they've got USC three weeks later, Notre Dame's not going to feel good about that. Um, you know, Drew, Drew Pine is, I think, a, can be a serviceable college quarterback and help you, you know, beat a bunch of teams on the schedule, but, um, there's certainly a drop off there athletically. So I, you know, it's, a, I think you just, you got to reinforce 
yourself at the number two more than you got to find a new number one, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the other part, and this isn't unique to Keaton Slovis, but since we're talking about him, like we'll, we'll talk about like that guy had an NIL deal with United Airlines. He has representation. A lot of these guys who have played elsewhere at big programs already have agents and there's nothing wrong with that, but you're not, you don't hire representation so that you could have a chance to be a backup quarterback at another place after being, after yeah. starting for so long. Like he's going to Pittsburgh cause he's succeeding, uh, the third place Heisman Trophy guy in Kenny Pickett, and Pitt has pretty much no proven people behind him, and he's going to go in there and start immediately, barring anything unforeseen. Uh, so I think that's a dynamic you need to keep in mind. And look, when you look at who has had success at Notre Dame as a quarterback in recent years, it hasn't been those guys. Like it really hasn't been Brandon Wimbush. It hasn't been Phil Jerkovic. It was Ian Book, three star. It was Jack Cohn, who I think was a three star, but was a grad transfer um, from Wisconsin. Um, it was the Sean Kaiser who was, if he was a four-star, he was a low four-star. I think he was, you know, he was a three, low four-star. Low yep. four-star. Um, it was not these blue chip can't miss prospects who came in and, and lit the world on fire. It's been guys who understand the place, can take coaching, know their roles and are going to do their job without complaint. Kind of like Drew Pine did in his limited relief options this season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Maybe the math doesn't work out class-wise with this. But like, I, I think there are people at Notre Dame who are thinking maybe Jack Lausch could have been that guy. He obviously ended up going to there. Are, there are North- definitely people at Notre Dame <laughs> who feel that way. At Northwestern. Um, yeah, I'm a little biased just because like I'm in Chicago and I did a recruiting notebook on the the state's recruiting about a month ago and unsolicited. I had so many high school coaches telling me this guy is the best player in the state. How does he not have an offer yet? Like he, he is willing brother rice week after week. He's going to Notre Dame for baseball, but no, like this kid, if you get him in a practice and he was going to be a preferred walk at Notre Dame, they all said, if you get him on the field, if you get him in a practice, he's going to make life hell for everyone else on that field. And he's not going to leave until you force him off. And those are the guys who have had success at Notre Dame yep. at the quarterback position. Usually not the guys who can win national championship with, but uh, and certainly Tyler Butner is a, win, a departure. You can win every other game, though. Yeah. <laughs> as as uh, Cade McNamara and Stetson Bennett get ready for a, a semifinal matchup exactly. here in a couple weeks. Which, by the way, Festivus, as we were recording this, see a tweet from the Orange Ball. Happy birthday, both Kirby Smart and Jim Harbaugh, who apparently share a birthday on Festivus, which makes way too much sense for <laughs> way too many reasons. Um, so uh, the quarterback situation will be interesting. And <clears throat> while we're talking about it, Ian Book is going to be starting after today's news with the, uh, I guess it was a COVID outbreak with the Saints, which I will tell you when, when the state of Louisiana has a football problem turned to Notre Dame. <laughs> I was watching the Monday night game where they somehow shut out Tom Brady, but Mike Trico was calling it. And I'm like, you got to get Ian Book in here. The guy's undefeated when, <laughs> when Mike Trico's calling his games, like he's got to come in yeah. and he's got to, got to make something happen. Unfortunately, uh, he never did get in, but we'll, we'll see him get that chance. Uh, where they play Miami, right? I think on Monday, Miami. Ian so. Book versus Tua Tungvaloa. There we go. First time, right? Yeah. He, he only played uh, Mac Jones. They, yeah. Yes, they did not meet in the regular season or the playoff. But uh, what are the, uh, you know, we should probably spend a little bit of time. Notre Dame's coaching staff next year. Yes. I asked Marcus, I asked Marcus Freeman about the timeline of it, what you're looking for. He talked about the defensive coordinator. Basically, we're going to run the system we're running. The DC has to come in and like use our terminology, like put that stress on the coordinator. Don't put it on the players, which I found refreshing. It's like a, an updated spin on like players over players, plays. Yeah. 
Um, but like, you know, you, you'd be a, you're a highly paid professional to come up with new language. Don't make the players come up with it. So, so they're not so. going to be hiring the new head coach at American heritage high school is what you're saying. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think Brett, I don't think BBG is <laughs> coming back to Notre Dame in any capacity, but, uh, you know, there's certainly they got to have a new special teams coach. Um, the, the name that I've heard a few times is uh, Brian Mason from Cincinnati who goes back with Marcus Freeman to Kent state to Purdue um, as a GA in those spots has was at Cincinnati in 2017. Um, so this is really, I believe one of the first seasons that he has not worked with Freeman in some time. Um, we'll see how that shakes out. You know, defensive coordinator needs to be filled offensive coordinator, or offensive line coach will at some point after the bowl game. I'm, I am less certain about receiver, although based on how the recruiting, I guess, return on investment did not come in. I don't, I don't know how you sort of don't keep it on my mind to that. If you're Notre Dame. Yeah. I don't know what the market is for receivers coaches right now. Obviously the, uh, it's weird. This is the first year in quite some time. I think you could say the position, if it didn't overperform, it at least met expectations. It was not a disappointment. I mean, I think even the young guys who we were unsure about coming into the year have at least I mean, shown like, enough to get you I mean, excited this, for the future. The, the recruiting has been uneven. Yes. Um, but the development is with Dell Alexander has been pretty good. I mean, Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin. You certainly got a lot out of Chris Fink, who came on the show and explained why Dell Alexander was a good receivers coach. But, you know, the, the recruiting push in this uh, program now, I think, is going to be completely different than it was under Brian Kelly. So I, I don't, I don't know where they go with that. But I mean, the offensive line. What I think we we've heard some familiar names of the offensive line. How do, how do you look at that position moving forward in terms of where Notre Dame may go? Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've heard from multiple people multiple different versions of Harry Heastan's interest or lack thereof. Um, we all saw what he's capable of, um, yes. as, as we see Zach Marta and Quinn Nelson make pro bowls again, I think they both made it every single year they've been in the NFL, yeah, um, which probably isn't terribly surprising for anyone who followed those guys closely in Dame, but it's still damn impressive. Nonetheless, um, look, if, if he's interested, that's a hard guy to say no to. Cause I, I, I think if you're comparing everyone to him at that school, and I'm by no means a, a technician when it comes down to breaking down offensive line play, but I just can't imagine anyone's going to come in after you interview that guy and absolutely wow you. Now they might have a better recruiting approach. Um, again, I've heard mixed reactions about how active he was as a recruiter. Some have told me he was really good. Others told me there were times he would refuse to, to get on the road when, when everyone else was. So uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes when you can, can coach and develop as good as he has and can, that 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 eliminates that weak that that negates that weakness so to speak um mm-hmm. it is 20 it will be 2022 um very by the time the new o-line coach is here the way you talk and teach and develop college kids in 2022 is not what it was even in 2017 which i think was his last year at notre dame not everyone you bring to the building is wired the way quinn and nelson and mike mcglinchy are and who can take it um and I, I don't say this to not care. He said all, they call him the Godfather in South End for a reason. The guy's incredible at his job, but you know, for every Quinn and Nelson, Mike McGlinchey turned out, there are guys who either left the program or really, really struggled under his watch because they just could not 
vibrate to that same frequency every single yep. day. Um, he had a way of just getting into you in the film room and out of the practice field that burned a hole in some of these guys' heads and hearts. And, um, you know, there, there's some who would be willing to, I think, stand up and say, you can't hire this guy um, based on their experiences with him. Um, but the guy is really, really good at what he does. If he brings along um, a younger GA or analyst, maybe a Chris Watt or, or whomever, someone with experience at this place who's a little bit younger and can relate a little bit better. I mean, I think that can work. I, I just, not that I worry about the dynamic, but the dynamic of, of a guy like that working for Brian Kelly is a little bit different than the dynamic of a guy working for, Marcus Freeman, who's the quote unquote players coach and whose staff, at least mm -hmm. right now, looks like it's going to be one of the youngest in the country. Uh, maybe it works out because maybe they need a, a heavier hand in, in some places um, than they would in others. I don't know. Um, I, I, I do think his resume and his track record in Notre Dame makes him a very, very tough guy to ignore um, if he ultimately is serious about getting back into it. But again, I've heard mixed mixed signals on whether he's fully committed to getting back into it, whether he's enjoying retirement life and so forth. But we'll see how that plays out. Justin Fry is another name we both heard. Yeah. He was brought in in 2018 when they ended up hiring Jeff Quinn. Um, don't, I, I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, he's a pretty good rep, but I'm lying to you if I say I have a great idea of what kind of a line coach should be at Notre Dame. Yeah. The, the he stand stuff is, I was talking to somebody who's, knows he stand well um familiar with notre dame it's like echoed sort of what you said like 2017 is a long time ago uh in terms of how you coach players and there's no doubt that if it was he stand he would have to change his vocabulary um i don't know if he would need to necessarily change like the style of coaching like he could still be incredibly demanding and exacting and i think you could still yell um but you've been to those practices. You could be watching the defense 200 yards away and you couldn't hear what Clark Lee was saying because Harry Heastan was yelling something <laughs> on the other side of the field. Talking about two different uh, personalities. Exactly. So it, there, there would have to be some kind of like adjustment uh, to the kind of Heastan you're getting. You, you would need a updated Heastan model. Um, I, I've heard, sorry, I, I've heard the film room stuff makes oh, even the worse. field stuff look like child's play. Like oh, okay. the amount of equipment they had to pay to replace because you'd break so much during film studies and really get personal with these guys. I mean, I, I think you know who I'm talking about. We we both heard from from people close to at least one highly recruited guy who left that program who said he still gets like nauseous when he hears that he said name. Like that's how incredibly yeah. personal and demanding and in your face he got with with some of those guys to the point where when he left i genuinely wondered whether it was leaving for the nfl or whether it was like like time's up like it, it, it's it was not a pretty scene with some of those guys uh, yeah that that all makes it complicated right like i don't know if Notre Dame wants to to jump into that again but if he stand can sort of meet you halfway on it and like the recruiting element i don't know it's like did he refuse to recruit Based on the input of offensive linemen, no, he did a, you know, he was the one that signed McGlinchey and Nelson, Mar, uh, Mars, <laughs> Bustafer, Bars and Mustafer. Um, you know, it, he brought in a lot of really good talent. They hit at a very high rate. Uh, I also feel like recruiting offensive linemen at Notre Dame is, is as easy a position as there is mm -hmm. in football. Um, so, 
and they and they have a very well stocked offensive line right now. You look at the freshman class that just finished up, and you look at the class that they just signed. It's it's really a phenomenal group. So it would be an adjustment for sure from Jeff Quinn. Um, but I also think you would be getting NFL level technical coaching here. Um, that's going to, if you're an offensive lineman at Notre Dame, you know, if you're good enough to go pro, you will go pro because this guy will, this guy will get it out of you. Yeah. I just think it's a really hard position to screw up. Um, based on the, the, the recent legacy of that place of, the, of that place. And does that mean you go with a guy like Keystan who's proven goods? It, it might have a little bit of baggage, or does that mean you take a guy with less of a heavy hand because you've already got, I mean, let's see, we got two true freshmen on this year's team who are locks to start next year at the tackle spots. I mean, how many places can you say that about in the country? We've got tons yeah. of other good recruits, both in this class and in the incoming class. Um, I just think that's a hard position to screw up. And I don't know how that shapes Notre Dame's philosophy um, when it comes to doing that. And, and again, by all accounts, this is Tommy Reese's hire full stop. Like the autonomy piece of staying on as the OC in addition to the pay bump is, is real. Like he's the head coach of offense. He's going to have the final say on everyone who comes into that building uh, to work on that side of the ball. Uh, DC is an interesting one to me, Pete. I mean, when, when I, you, when you can do it a number of different ways, right? Yeah, I mean, when when everything you know got settled in those first seventy two hours or whatever it was, when Kelly leaves and Freeman gets hired, uh, I'm thinking like, well, they'll either promote Elson or Freeman will still call the plays, like kind of like Lincoln Riley at, at, at OU, yeah. right? Didn't have a an OC so to speak because he was a head coach who called the plays. Um, everything I've gathered is no, they're going to hire an outside defense coordinator. They're going to swing big. My initial reaction to that was. Why would you do that when you already have a staff in place to which I was told, well, just did it with Marcus Freeman last year. It worked out pretty well, uh, which is a good point. Um, I don't know who the Marcus Freeman of this hiring cycle is. I do know that in addition to Notre Dame, Florida, LSU, Miami, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, Oregon, and Wake Forest, among others, are all the market for defense coordinators. And all of them, frankly, need a defense coordinator more than Notre Dame does because at the end of the day, They've got some really exactly. defensive coaches on that staff who, who can make it work regardless of who else comes into the building. It, if they, I don't think that they will do this, but if they just, if they promoted Elston to DC and then let's just say they made Lazinski the linebackers coach, I'm not saying that would be like a, a killer defensive staff in terms of experience overall. But I think we would look at that with Marcus as a head coach and be like, all right, I mean, this will, this will definitely work. Um, but you know what we're we've both been told is like you know it's, they're targeting more of an outside hire, uh, and then you know the way certainly the way what Marcus intimated on Wednesday was it was an out it was going to be an outside hire because if you're hiring somebody that then fits in with your current staff as DC that means it's an outside hire you already know the staff that you have. Um, so whether that's you know Mike Tressel or at Cincinnati or John Haycock at Iowa State, I mean, there's, I think there are enough sort of steady, more experienced hands out there that are not the hot name that Marcus was a year ago. Like I don't, I don't think that's the, the sort of competitive hiring spree that Notre Dame is going to be entering into this year. It's who fits with us doesn't need to be some huge up and comer. Like, in fact, it's probably good if it's not, 
Um, I think somebody who's been around the block a few times would be probably a more advantageous hire for Notre Dame at this point. So I think they've got a lot of options and like sort of that competitive market for DCs. I'm not saying that it doesn't apply, but it, if they were trying to hire Marcus Freeman as DC this year, but, but with, and with this market, with all the schools you mentioned, that would be a hell of a recruiting derby to win. If you're Notre Dame, like now they don't really need to worry about that as much. Best, best coaching choice in the history of sports, Steve Kerr choosing the warriors over the Knicks in 2014 or uh, Marcus Freeman choosing <laughs> Notre Dame over LSU last year. Ooh, yeah. I mean, Marcus definitely came out ahead in the, it's certainly one of the great college football career decisions of all time. Maybe uh, he's the head coach of LSU right now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Went there. I mean, probably yeah, I not, know. but like it's, oh. yeah, it's crazy how quickly time flies. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, was there anything else from this week? I mean, you, you talked to Diggs. I talked to Lindsay. I talked to Xavier Watts a little bit. Um, we got John McNulty for the first time. Yeah, we, we uh, need to get him Chris on the show. for the first time. Yeah, you'd be great. Um, the longest podcast ever, but probably the best too. <laughs> but it was, I mean, was there anything else that you took away from this week other than just like it was refreshing to talk to kind of a new batch of assistant coaches? Refreshing, fun. Um, the the eagle-eyed listeners and readers will, will notice the assistants who weren't made available this week were... Dell Alexander and Jeff Quinn. And I think that was it as far as full-time guys. Correct. Um, which I mean, you know, we didn't, we haven't talked to Lance Taylor since I, no, I think we may have only well, talked to well, Lance he, Taylor he, once. He fits in too, because we don't know what he'll be coaching next year. Correct. Like yeah. the guys who have at least the most public uncertainty are the mm-hmm. ones who were not put out there, which I understand if they can't even tell you, I would do it the same way a couple of weeks. Um, so that's why we're talking about those positions the most. Um, whether they bring in a running backs coach and move Taylor to receivers coach. I don't know. It's clear. He's a guy who's, who's going to be on that staff next year though. They really like him both on off the field. We do have to do a shout out. If we're talking about Shamrock bumps, Michael Vincent got put on scholarship. And although he was never a full-time guest, all of Wapu nation that has come on here has singled him out um, milk uh, for the uninitiated. And I, I'm a little disappointed. We haven't seen a video of that because we've seen so many great videos. Really. They were too busy. Yeah. They're working on the head coach videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we need a self-produced one because um, the scholarship videos are always the best. But congratulations, Milk. Um, maybe he'll join the, the podcast at some point after. Although I think he he's probably exhausted any potential shamrock bumps by getting his education paid for <laughs> for the rest of the year. And he has an NIL deal with like the uh, Milk Cooperative of Indiana or something. I did uh, not know that. Wow. He was at, he, he, so I think posted, I don't know if it was Twitter or Instagram, but he is industry as uh, Chris Fink. Well, uh, pointed out to us. You, you got to tell our listeners about your shamrock bump on Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. That, uh, I was delighted to get a notification that Joe Schmidt was now following me on Instagram. <laughs> newly so, engaged Joe Schmidt for those who haven't heard. <laughs> yeah. So if you, yeah, the, I think there, we have plenty of listeners of the show who know Joe Schmidt and we'll, we'll point out that we're talking about him again because because he clearly doesn't listen. Joe Schmidt's favorite things. He just, exactly. He commented too on my Instagrams on game days while he was playing at Notre Dame. <laughs> Not that we ever questioned uh, where his head was at, but <laughs> that's that's why he's going to be running uh, running America in the not too distant future. But <laughs> yeah, no, it uh, it it was a productive week around here. I think I'm I'm hopeful, like everyone else, that this game goes off uh, and Notre Dame gets down there and you get to sort of see as full a complement of Notre Dame's roster and Oklahoma State's roster as possible. Because I mean, look, it, 
the idea of Marcus Freeman being one and zero with a top ten win and an entire off season to sort of savor it and recruit on it is pretty salivating if you're Notre Dame. I mean, that is that is your dream off season. And I know college football can change in an instant, but it would set up Notre Dame to be in a very good way for the next nine months. Basically, you would be bottling the energy of this last month and spreading it across the rest of the offseason. Like, no matter how you win, just don't lose. Not that losing the Fiesta Bowl is the worst thing in the world, but to your point, if you can keep this momentum going unabated, that's, that's really invigorating to everyone around the program. And if they win the game, that absolutely will happen um, because it's, it's just been – Nothing but good vibes and everyone in agreement about everything around Notre Dame for the first time and <laughs> era of good feelings in a positive way. Um, yeah, I don't know how else to, to sign off on Festivus other than on that note. Um, we'll, we'll have to displace the was it the what, poll, uh, Festivus poll? We'll have to put it yeah, elsewhere. Maybe we could spin it forward to Christmas, uh, as we wrap up. Like, uh, because I'm assuming your child does not listen to podcasts, what, what is the, the must have gift in the Fortuna household this year? Um, yeah, I guess you're not listening. I did get a, she's a big basketball fan and Sesame Street fan. Steph Curry came out with a line of Sesame Street basketball gear. So I've got her a, a shirt with Cookie Monster draining threes with a Curry logo. Oh, nice. um, her birthday is shortly after Christmas. So we're still like Santa and mom and dad are still in the process of like figuring out what goes for what. Um, but there, there might be a bicycle in there. We'll, we'll see. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's a, a lot of, a lot of Nerf guns in our house this year, which I am okay. already regretting before <laughs> they've been opened. Um, and a few a uh, few games for the Switch, which was complicated by the fact that my son, I think, not to throw him under the bus, lost the Switch. So we have to replace that to then play the games that they will then be opening. So, so this is the complications of parenthood for those who have either already enjoyed it and are laughing their asses off or have... or future parents, um, which I'm sure we have some of those listeners as well. Just be prepared for this down the road. You mean they weren't satisfied with just having a six throw midfield seat for the Brian Kelly finale at Notre Dame stadium. That didn't who knew? cover you. Who knew they, they were seeing the end of an era there. Um, although they, they sat in those same seats for the Duke football game in 2016, which was the end of the BVG era. So <laughs> never when again, my kids go, what you're when, my kid, when my kids go to Notre Dame football games, weird stuff happens. Um, yes. The other one was Virginia Tech in 2020, no, 2019, uh, the, the Ian Book huh. shushing, but they left at halftime. So wow. after Jafar Armstrong's fumbled air return for a touchdown, they were, they were out of there. Um, they, weren't, they weren't staying put for that. But uh, yeah, on that note, we will, we will be back next week post-Christmas. I will be down in Arizona um enjoying the weather if not the media access matt will be in chicago are you you're not covering any of the the playoff games right no i'll be at the championship championship god willing um but that's uh that's it on my travel itinerary for now lovely well until then we will thanks for being with us this year of and this month in particular of crazy notre dame same thing year month (laughs) yeah year month it's all the same uh, fever dreams, if you're having them, uh, all sorts of Christmas craziness. So we appreciate you being with us. We appreciate you listening. Uh, Matt and I will be back next week to preview the Fiesta Bowl in earnest. So until then, 
Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. She's Matt Fortune in Chicago. I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks in South Bend. Thanks for being with us.